Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 25 of For Your Eyes O-Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Joriki Sentai O-Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how do you do today, bud? Pretty well, man. Um, Just got the babies down to sleep, which is always... Yeah, man. Just, man, those babies. Like, they like to sleep. But they don't like to go to sleep. Yeah, you like, know what I they mean? They like it. You just need to remind them that that is. Oh the case. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like once they're there, they're down. They're into it. Uh, but the process—it's the the road getting there—is rough for that for them. I get it's rougher for me. I don't know who it's rougher for. Oh, it's rougher for everybody involved. Dude, frankly. listen, I, I am thirty three years old, and literally last night I was lying in bed reading, and I looked at the clock, and I thought it's too late. I should go to bed. I'm tired. I'm falling asleep reading right now. And the longer I stay awake now, the less happy I will be in the morning. And I still do not want to go to sleep. So I get it, man. <laughs> um, and that is yeah. theoretically with the reasoning of an adult. I can't imagine what it was like when I was a baby. Oh, dude. Yeah, they just want to do every like literally any and everything. Uh, they will do stuff to to wake themselves up like they actively fight going to sleep it's it's bananas yeah uh anyway uh that's not what we're here to talk about today dave it's boo it's not i mean it's, it's I guess just it's all part i ever talk it. about it can be um but ultimately what we are getting around to talking about today is episode 25 of jerky sentai o-ranger it is called the festival one shot contest um i'm gonna i'm gonna uh, give you a peek behind the curtain. I've already watched this episode. That oh, title yeah, too. makes no sense. I this the, this might be the weirdest episode of of O Ranger yet. I think. Yeah. Uh, the word I'm pretty comfortable saying. I that. guess the word festival makes sense. That's about it. But we will we will get to that uh, after our opening segment, Dave. Because before we get into the show, uh, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? So the first star of the week is uh, big news if you are a Sentai person and somehow haven't heard this yet, but Jetman is coming to DVD. It's coming to, I mean, it's, I assume it's on DVD somewhere already, but it's coming to DVD in the United States. You'll be able to get it from the good people at Shout Factory. Yes. Uh, now, this is very exciting because uh, previously, uh, Shout Factory has been releasing these Sentai DVDs, but they've only been doing it sort of um, following the release of the Power Ranger seasons. So they started yep. with Zhu Ranger and have sort of been moving forward from there. This is their first foray into uh, putting on a set of DVDs based on a series that was not turned into a, a series of Power Rangers. Which, yeah, um, if you are, if first of all, if you're new, we did Jetman. We did a we did a series on Jetman. Um, if you're new to the show. Man, uh, if you've got the time and you are interested in watching Sentai, all of the all the seasons that we've watched have been great. Jetman was really, really good. Like it was, it was killer. Um, yeah. So like, I, there are seasons that I think better encapsulate like a lot of the things that are fun about Sentai and like Tokusatsu shows. But so far, from what I have seen. 
there has been, there is no season of Sentai that is actually better tele, like objectively better television. Than yeah, Gen I think Man. that's a really that's a really really good way to say it. Um, also, I mean, this is exciting. If you can't get the DVDs, uh, absolutely do that. It, it helps Shout Factory make money. Um, but if you can, if you can't afford it, you can go on their website. Like once they sell the DVDs, they also usually put it up on their website, so you'll be able to catch up and watch Jetman. Which again, if you've got time. Uh, Matt and I absolutely recommend that you do. Yeah, I, I hope that this opens the door for more people to see it. And also, um, I hope it opens the door for more people to go back and listen to that season that we did. Because even when we were doing that season, I felt a little weird that we were covering a show that was just not available anywhere other than like weird Russian streams. Oh, yeah, that was a weird thing about doing that season. So but, anyone um, anyone coming to the show late, uh, the, the five stars are going to be a little out of date, but the other the, the rest of the content is solid gold. Yeah, it's well, let's um, we, we had fun doing it. <laughs> let's at least say oh, dude, that. Remember, we used to sing on that show. It was good times. Oh, that's right. uh, if you want to feel legitimate emotions about bird superheroes, uh, that is the show for yeah, you. Yeah, Jetman, Jetman is definitely your spot. Okay, dude, actually, while we're talking on the subject of birds, can I uh, do a little sub-star here? Yeah, um, that was a hard... That was a that was a difficult segue, but sure, hey, go ahead. Hey, listen, man. Uh, it it is, wasn't your smoothest transition. Listen, we, we were already talking about something related to birds, um, and I... Okay, at work, we have this sort of, like, outdoor walking area, right? Uh-huh. And normally, it's fine to get, like, there's a little pond, and so you get some geese. Recently, it has been the most, like, weirdly active, like, mini bird sanctuary, and I kind of don't know how to handle it. Hmm. Because we've got our normal, like, Canada geese, right? I mean, isn't the answer just observe and enjoy? Like, that's kind of what you do with bird. <laughs> yeah, man, but some, bird of the, person. some of the birds are very big, and they're just there. And you kind, oh, of, dude. you kind of forget how spooky big birds are until they're close to you, and there's nothing in between you and them. Yeah, Beth and I were at the zoo with the babies the other day, and there were some swans there. And I think of swan like, I wouldn't want to fight a goose to begin with, but I think of swans as like, oh, they're like the same size as geese. They're not. Swans are very large birds. Yeah, dude. So, that, I mean, there are geese at this pond, which is fine. And then there are ducks this year, and there are normally not ducks. Yeah, like, I'm chill on ducks. They're cool. Like, I eat ducks. I'm not I'm not scared of a duck. Uh, the other day, I saw a heron just swoop through and hang out for a minute. Seriously? Yeah, dude. There were some turkeys, like some big, like some big boy turkeys. What the heck? And also, there were some turkey vultures. That have been, there's like three or four turkey vultures that are just hanging around, uh, and folks, if you do not live in a part of the world that has turkey vultures, and you are and you think I'm uh, crazy and imagining a weird like mishmash of two animals, it kind of is. It looks like it's halfway between a turkey and a vulture. It's a it's more vulture, um, but its head is red like a turkey's head, but it kind of looks like. The red skull version of a turkey? Yeah, it's just like a large, very evil turkey. Yeah, and there's just some of those hanging out, circling above the walking path at work. There's another... <laughs> that's, dude, that's disconcerting, man. There's, that's not cool. There's another bird that's like mostly a lake bird called a kill deer. It's, it's not as spooky as the name sounds, but it like laid a couple of eggs in some gravel right next to the walking path, and it will not leave because its eggs are there. 
So anytime that you go out to take a walk, sometimes it's chill, and sometimes it just shrieks at you when you walk past it. Oh, dude. Uh, a couple of years ago, there were some Canada geese that decided to make a nest in the H- like the uh, like courtyard at the school building, and they just had to block off the whole courtyard. Yeah, there's kind of nothing you can do. Like, they can fly, and they don't want to leave. Well, yeah, like also like Canada geese, uh, they're migratory and they're protected. Like there's a big, it's like a big thing about it. Like you cannot mess with their nests at all. Yeah. Anyway, that's my recent bird stories. Uh, Dave, <laughs> what, uh, what is our second star of the week? Okay. So I'm, Matt, will you indulge me in being like a curmudgeon for a second here? I uh, mean, it wouldn't um, be the first time. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's a, it's a space that I've come to enjoy. Anyways, can I talk about like the Royal wedding for a hot second? Um, sure, if you like. So here's the deal. If and I can't believe I'm actually having to explain this. Well, it, um, in because case you I are have, in case you are listening to this episode like ten years from now. Yeah, somehow. Um, and I only say this because I am. I think I've mentioned this before. I am a person who like pretty aggressively curates my Facebook feed, mm-hmm. not for like. Um, you know, not to create like an echo chamber, but just to, like eliminate things that I'm not interested in, like fluff pieces that I don't care about, right? And I am still completely inundated with news about the wedding of the youngest royal prince, Harry. Um, now, okay, I get it. He is marrying a lady who is a American, which is, um, uh, you know, weird, but whatever. It's, I mean, listen, from from what I know about the like people involved in the royal wedding it is an unusual and actually pretty cool story yeah 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 um so she is biracial uh which is a neat thing and she is also american which is like a pretty like really wow um like the last royal who married an american had to abdicate the throne to do it so <laughs> that's a big deal but like holy crap i just like and if that was the amount of news that i got about it, i'd be like oh congratulations to the happy couple. Like those are two human beings who have fallen in love. And like, I wish them a very long and happy life. Like that's lovely. But I just like, we fought a war. We fought a war to not have to care about this. It's a big deal. Uh, So, so like, Oh my, I'm super excited that it's over. Like it was over two days ago and I'm still hearing about it. You know, it's still in the news everywhere. You know, the, the people in my life who were most excited about the royal wedding are also the people in my life who are the most excited about the Oscars. And so I get the feeling that maybe some people just like fancy dresses. Okay, no, that makes sense. Now, there is one really interesting thing about this, is that theoretically, if they have kids, which, like, presumably they will, right, there is a person who is, like, not likely to inherit the throne, but... But, you know, a lot more likely than a lot of other people. Oh, more likely would than you also or I. Be, yeah, right. Uh, who would also be an American citizen. Which is weird. Like, which is weird. I don't, like, I don't know what the protocol is for that. If there is one. I think, like, I assume there is one. The royals have a protocol for everything. Oh, oh boy, do they. Uh, I, but I think that the protocol is secret, Dave. You are not meant it's, to know. I try, yeah, I guess so. Uh, so anyways, that's, uh, yeah, and just, I'd, man, again, like, congratulations to those two human beings that I'm sure are fine people, but like, oh my gosh, I'm so sick of hearing about it. Uh, what, Matt, is our third star of the week? The third star of the week is uh, the biggest thing going on in my world right now 
is that down the street from me, like a third of a mile away, they've just opened up a new grocery store, and it is okay. Yeah, it is changing my life, Dave. Yeah, way more mundane than the second star, but uh, a lot more closer to home, and ultimately, I think, significant in your life. Oh yeah. Um, and it's like okay, there was a grocery store kind of close to me already, um, but it was a bad grocery store. Yeah, that is a very janky grocery store. <laughs> it's it's a, okay. The the bad grocery store also sells liquor. And if you think of it as a liquor store, it's an okay it has okay groceries for a liquor store. Yeah, it's a it's a good liquor store with a surprising number of surprising number of snacks in it. Right. Um but it is not a good place for you to like primarily buy your groceries. Yeah, um, no, it's not. But this place that opened up around the corner for me is like a fancy grocery store. Ooh. Um, and Dave, uh, it is it is a problem for me. I am just going to the grocery store recreationally now because it's like a novelty that it's down the street. Well, hey, Matt, uh, you know, you come by it honestly. I don't know of a human being that likes grocery shopping as much as our father. That's true. And uh, B, being excited about being walking distance from a fancy grocery store is the like most adult slash possibly like whitest thing you've said in a in a, just a really long time. Oh, Dave, Dave, it gets worse. Uh, there's a little bar when you walk inside. Ooh, and so nice. and so. Not only can I go down and shop at the fancy grocery store, I can like sip on a craft beer while I'm doing it. Yeah, that's some that's some white people nonsense. Oh boy, it's good. It's so I good. I know it is really good though. <laughs> I love um, it so much. I, dude, I, I have way I... too many groceries in my apartment right now. Like, because I've gone too many times. I've I've got an untouched wheel of camembert in my fridge. I don't know why. It seemed like a good idea while I was there. <laughs> Man, I'm sh- listen. I know you. We've been uh, brothers for a long time. Uh, I I have faith with you as regards that wheel of oh, camembert. I'll, I'll find a place to put it. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I think I know where you're going to put it. Uh, anyways, dude, I live across the street from a grocery store, and they didn't mention like that's not listed in the amenities of the house. Like is across the street from a grocery store, and it should be. It's incredible. Like having a grocery store that's walking distance. And not like, you know, you can walk a long ways if you need to, but like quick walking distance, like you can get there in like seven to 10 minutes or less is incredible. Like it's so good. Oh, dude, I I just bought a little rolly grocery cart uh, that I can like bring to and from. Uh, Oh, yeah. Those things are great. Yeah, man. I I assembled it this evening before we did this. Um, Boy, I listen. There's not a lot of jokes about this. This is just like the thing that is going on in my world right now and I needed to tell you all. No, listen, man, it does my heart good because for a long time I felt like I was sort of out on a limb as far as being like an old man trapped in a young man's body and I'm just really glad glad that you've decided to join me on that journey. Oh, Ben, diving in with both feet. Yeah, welcome to the club. Thank you. Uh, Dave, what is our fourth Star of the Week? So I'm actually watching a new anime. Oh, really? Yeah, which is super wild for me. I don't I don't watch a ton of well, okay, first of all, frankly, I don't watch a lot of TV at all anymore just cuz I don't have time. Um, but I do I I like kind of like on my lunch breaks at work cuz I've uh it's near the end of the year, so a lot of my stuff is like already taken care of. Um, I'm not going to go into the details on that cuz it's boring. Uh, but anyways, I've been watching this new anime, which I again, I don't do a whole lot anymore. I was going to say no, you you and I used to be big anime guys in college. But pretty much yeah, as soon as yeah. we graduated, like, pretty hard fell off that train. Well, you know what it was, at least for me, is I 
I really, I got into anime because it was like cool and interesting and I kind of never seen anything like it before. And then after a while, it started to get a little bit, you know, it was, it was a little bit cliche. It's a li- um, it, you're seeing stuff that he's sort of seen over and over and over again. And I just it got bored Yeah, it. if you get deep into anime for a couple of years, it can seem a little samey after a while, you know? Yeah, um, but the show that I'm watching is called uh, Boku no Hero Academia or uh, My Hero Academia. And oh, it is, I have heard very good things about this show. Dude, justifiably so. It's actually, I'm behind on this. So, like, you're probably laughing, other pe- listeners, you're probably laughing at me. Like, you're just now finding this. But, yeah, it's in its, like, third season or something. Um, it is good enough, if you're not, like, an, a super anime person, it is good enough that Beth has watched the first three episodes with me and is interested to watch more of it. So, uh, basically, the premise of the show is that the world is full of people with superpowers. Like, 80% of the population has superpowers. But it's going to be rough it, to be in that 20%. Yeah, well, that's kind of the point, right? Is that, um, but even in that 80% of people that have superpowers, much like uh, much like Xavier's School for Gifted Youngsters, like, there's a lot of mutants there. And there's only, like, five people on the X-Men squad. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of people have powers that, like, I can grow my fingers real long. You know, like, that's not a useful power for a superhero. So the handful of people that do have, like, superhero-appropriate superpowers do go on to become, like, professional superheroes, right? And the main character of the show, uh, Izuku, is he doesn't have a superpower. Like, that is, he doesn't have a superpower. Yeah. And it is... He doesn't like he doesn't find out until he's a little bit older, till he's like four or five, and everybody else is getting their powers, and he doesn't get one. And like all he wants to do is be a superhero, like his hero, hey man, who's same. the world's greatest hero, right? Whose name is All Might, uh, and All Might rules. And he like finds out he can't be a hero because he doesn't have any superpowers. And uh, dude, like I don't want to spoil it for you, but there are in the first two or three episodes, there are a couple of spots, and I think it might be because I have kids now. But, like, I legitimately teared up a little bit because of this kid. Uh, and the, like, the writing is super good, and the characters are all really fun. And it's really, it's scratching my itch for superhero-related, like, action action media. Uh-huh. So, anyways, I don't really have a whole lot of jokes about it. I just really, I'm, I recommend the show really, really highly. If you're not already watching it and you're looking for something to watch, yeah, you I, should watch. I know um, uh, Jake. Jake Mason uh, from the Morphin Grid and also my co-host oh, yeah. on Spectre is uh, similarly not a big uh, anime guy typically, but he is very into that show. Yeah, it's super, super good. Um, so what, Matt, is our fifth Star of the Week? The fifth Star of the Week is another TV show uh, thing. Is And this happened a few weeks ago, but we I keep sort of forgetting to talk about it, even though I think it's very interesting, is that Brooklyn Nine-Nine was very briefly canceled. Yes. And then, uh, like, the very next day, it was uncanceled due to, like, universal fan outcry. Yeah, that was a wild thing that happened. Because, you know, like, shows get canceled and people get bummed out about it. But very rarely do enough people get bummed out about it quickly enough and, like, I don't know, en masse to actually get a show back on the air. Right, like, there are shows that have gotten canceled and come back years later. You know, like, anywhere between, you know, Arrested Development to, 
you know, like Gilmore Girls or Full House. Like, stuff comes back. Right. But it is typically not, like, re-picked up by another network the next day. Um, and so I was very excited about this because, like... Wait, was it picked up by another network? I thought Fox just said, like, oh, no, never mind. Like, well, yeah, we'll no, just keep making it. No, it got picked up by it. NBC. <laughs> no kidding. I did, no, I didn't catch that. I thought it was Fox. And I, I think they, like, film on the same lot. And so it's not as big of a jump as okay, it like, otherwise okay, got seen. it, got it, got it. Um, but, okay, here is, here's something that happened last night. Is I was thinking, man, Brooklyn Nine-Nine's coming back. Or kind of isn't leaving. But you know what I mean. Um, right. But I... Despite the fact that it is like one of the three television shows that is currently on that I like, um, I am like super behind on it. So I thought, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna get caught up, and then when the next season starts, I'm gonna start in on that season. So mm-hmm. I I have a post-it note on my refrigerator that has been there for like eight months that says which episode was the last one that I had seen. Because for a while, uh, our sister was living with me, and she was watching it, and she it was, like, messing up my Hulu queue. So, so like, oh, I couldn't okay. remember. So you had to, like, keep track of, yeah, 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 yeah. so she wrote down a note and put it on the fridge, like, hey, the last episode you saw was season three, episode 20. Oh, yeah, you're way behind. Yeah, I know, dude. Okay, so here's the thing. I was like, all right, episode 20. I'll pop it on that and, like, get back rolling. So I throw on episode 20, and I'm like, man, I, I feel like I've seen this one before. And then I watch episode 21, I'm like... Man, I have definitely seen this one before. And then I pull out, and I am watching season one, episode 20 and 21. <laughs> now, I want to reiterate something about this. This is my favorite TV show that is currently on the air. And I am so far behind on it that not only have I missed the last almost two seasons, oh, a little more than two seasons, when I started watching something from 2014, I did not immediately recognize that I was way off. It is my favorite television show. Uh, <laughs> so when people listen, give man. me crap about not watching TV shows that are on now, like just just keep that little morsel in mind. That like that is how far <laughs> off I am on the TV show <laughs> this is that the I world was, that you're speaking into. I was devastated when I heard it was canceled. I had no idea where I was at it. <laughs> well, Matt, speaking of shows that we do keep up on, sort of, I know we're a little behind. I mean, we're like 20 years behind, if that's what you mean. <laughs> uh, episode 25, Dave. Episode 25 of Cherokee Sentai Ranger, the festival one-shot contest. Uh, we are going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Okay, welcome back. Dave, this episode is weird. Okay, yeah. Uh, we, like I said, we did already mention that we had we had seen it. It is... It's ridiculously weird. Is it, the um, it was kind of one? glorious, actually. Well, you know, a lot of the t- like we sort of started this show on the premise that Super Sentai is sort of crazy and uh, crazy ridiculous, and like we're like, ah, oh, we'll watch it and like groove on this wackiness, and then we got into like Jetman, and Jetman is very raw, and there's like really just it is kind of goofy, but it's legitimately excellent television. Um. And O-Ranger has been a little bit weird, but it's, you know, it's it's been pretty wild. This episode is off of the rails crazy. Yeah, there are things going on in this episode that you would think had been, like, either seeded in earlier episodes or coming up in the next few episodes. Uh, but I can tell you, like, they're just completely out of nowhere. Yeah, okay. So we open up on, it's just a family, and it is... Uh, 
It is a family, and it is a dad's birthday. Yes. And they are sitting under some international flags. The flags for the United States, Italy, China, and England are hung in this house. Because that's what you Um, do on your birthday, Dave. No Japanese flags, by the way. No Japanese flags to be seen. Yeah, and like just to be clear, they are Japanese. Um, There is never an explanation as to why. They are singing then, the English uh, American. It's an. I've always assumed it's an American song, uh, but I you know no the idea. happy birthday song. Yeah, uh, you know Matt, you say the happy birthday song. Here's a fun thing. Did you know that the African American community has like its own birthday song? I am familiar with its existence, although I. I mean, based on what you heard me saying earlier about the grocery store near me, uh, it might not surprise you to know that I'm not familiar with its lyrics. Yeah, well, I mean, the the lyrics are still basically, like, happy birthday, uh, but it's just a lot, like, man, I, I don't know, like, a, a... It's a lot more fun. <laughs> it is. It's a lot more fun. There's a lot more, like, clapping and... I mean, listen, I the, don't know. Anyways. like, the happy birthday song, everyone knows it, but we don't know it because it's a great song. Yeah, no, it is. It's a very, very bad song. Uh, so, anyways, so they're, they're singing happy birthday in English, um, and... There's a doorbell and the kid, their son, there's a son and a daughter and a mom and a dad. And the son goes and answers it. And there's a monster. Yes. Just that rang the doorbell. Uh, his, his tummy's grumbling. Yep. Uh, and he would like to come in and eat their food. Now, let's let's talk about this monster. This monster is named Barra Hungry. Yep. Um, yes, he is. And he is cute. Yeah. Sort of. I mean, yeah, listen, he... he's still a giant monster with sharp teeth. But, like... He has, like, large eyes. Yeah, he's sort of, like, rounded, and his proportions are a little baby-like, I guess. Yeah, Um, and his voice is very childlike. Yeah, so he rolls up, and he eats the entire birthday dinner, which is not cool. It is is just a mountain of sushi. Yeah, so the family, like, I'm not really sure, because it seems like while he's eating, they would just run away, but they don't. Well, I, I think they're sort of in shock. Because a giant robot has come in and is eating their food. Hey, Dave, why is this robot hungry? Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> why does this robot uh, need food? So he he, say, he he finishes all of their food and he says, like, oh, I'm still hungry. And at this point, and they're so, trying to run away. And he's sort of like, like, the camera is on the family. And they're sort of talking to each other like, okay, we really need to go. And they turn and try to walk. And then Barra Hungry's arm, like comes from off camera and lands on the dad's shoulder and is like, hey man, uh, my tummy's still grumbling. You need to feed me. Like, this is all... This is, this is a bad situation for this family, but the scene is definitely played comedically. Yeah, so they are bringing him sushi and they bring him just so much. I'm going to call it like, thousands it is, of dollars worth of sushi. Yeah, it is... Okay, so here's what I'm trying to figure out because it is inconceivable that they would have this much sushi on hand. Like, that's just not possible. So the only thing, there's two things I can think of, and and only one of them makes sense, because if they had to go out for the sushi, because I, I just, I simply refuse to accept a universe in which they have this much sushi on hand. Sure. Like, I'm, that's, that's a non-starter for me. Frankly, the so, amount of dishes that the sushi comes on, I refuse to believe that they have that many dishes in the kitchen. Yeah, unless, like, it's a, Unless they themselves own a sushi restaurant that is attached to their home, but we never that see is, any evidence of this. 
that is the only explanation I can think of, Matt. Uh, and the only thing that makes it sort of work for me is that I think he, the kid, when he answers the door, does have to go downstairs. Like maybe they live in the upstairs of an apartment or something and the sushi restaurant is underneath. Because if they had to leave to get the sushi, why would you come back? Yeah. So the the only possible explanation is that they live above slash own a sushi restaurant. This is the only thing that conceivably that conceivably works. Okay. Yes. So they do eventually though run out of sushi. Uh, so not only is their birthday ruined, but their business is presumably ruined. Mm-hmm. And um, so Bara hungry, still hungry, eats the table. Yes, he does. Uh, and they say, "Oh man, we need to call the police only now, guys." Only now do you think you should maybe call the police? I mean, they've, they've been busy this whole time rolling sushi downstairs. They haven't had the time. So he, they try to call the police. Uh, Bara Hungry eats the phone. and then He sort of slurps up have... the phone on the phone cord like it's a long string of spaghetti. Yeah, it's a very good moment. Uh, but Dad actually has a pretty good idea. He's like, hold up, hold up, hold up. He doesn't say this. He goes and gets his bottle of birthday sake. And he pours Bara Hungry some, and Bara Hungry's like, ooh, I dig that. It's a little bit uncomfortable, because again, Bara Hungry is sort of like a very little child. Um, but anyways, then Bara Hungry goes like goes nuts on some sake and puts away I mean, we see it in a montage, but it's probably like upwards of a hundred bottles of sake, which I think also plays into the idea that they probably just own a restaurant. Yeah, in, in the, because otherwise. In the next scene, we see uh, Bara Hungry just sort of like lying down in a pile of empty bottles. Yeah. Oh, hey, man, just this has nothing to do with anything about Bara Hungry, although it is connected to the episode. Does the dad of this episode remind you of like Japanese George Costanza? A little bit. Actually, he reminds me of that. And also, and I think it's probably just his glasses and haircut. Um, yeah, probably. Uh, but there is, I don't know, he, he reminds me of a few different people, and I can't quite figure out exactly who he reminds me of most. But I feel like if you are thinking of a Japanese George Costanza, that is pretty much on like on target. Yeah, so Bara Hungry is, is pretty loaded at this point. Uh, and they signify this by changing out the eyes, and they give him like big red bloodshot eyes. And the family says, okay, like they kind of do a little huddle and they get together and then they each grab a weapon, like a frying pan and a broomstick and two other things. I forget what. And they say, okay, we're just going to attack this hungry, hungry robot. And that's how, that's how we'll do this. Uh, It does not work. They just hit him and he's like, he doesn't, he's a giant robot. Like he doesn't care. Yeah. um, He sort of lies down because he's feeling drunk. And as he lies down, he like sits on a remote control Yes, and when this yeah, yeah, happens, yeah. the TV turns on, and it is showing footage of like a like a local summer festival where people are like playing festival music, like a big drum and some flutes and like a little like yeah, and it's like a uh, it's a it's a parade. They are there's like a couple people, and they are holding what looks to be uh, like a shrine on some uh, like a palanquin, basically. Like they're kind of toting it around. Other people are like playing tambourines and they're dancing, and there's flutes and everything it's very cool yeah and maybe he would like this if he was sober but he definitely likes it drunk he is into this festival music and he cannot stop himself from getting up and dancing around and when he is dancing he does not want to dance alone and he insists that everyone dance with him yeah so while this is happening he eventually passes out like he's had a lot to eat he's had a lot to drink he has a lot to 
dance. That's not how I, you I think it's at this point that the, the family picks up the stuff and tries to hit him with it. Like, as they are, like, during the dance. Oh, yeah, maybe. Well, anyways. In any case, so like... So, Hungry passes out. They do not manage to knock him out. But, yeah, he just sort of passes out and starts, like, sleeping. So then, there is a... We go inside, and there is a scientist. This is somehow you know he's, the most unusual part of this episode. And this dude is... I'm trying to figure out how to describe how he's walking. Um, Just imagine... Well, he's doing York, lunges. Yeah, he's trying to take, like, the longest steps possible. Oh, and you know he is a scientist because he's wearing a lab coat, yes. right? So he's walking around with a metal detector... Mm-hmm holds the metal detector up to the door of this house and is like, aha, and like just rolls in. Okay. Yeah, and the, the, the son of the family says like, oh, hi, Mr. Henna. And he says, hello, yeah, so he young kn- man. So somehow this child just knows this random neighborhood scientist. Right. So which I guess Mr. is not that unusual. I mean, that is the premise of uh, Back to the Future. Oh, yeah. Well, okay, yeah, good point, actually, Matt. Um... So Mr. Henna just start, without talking to anybody about this, just starts trying to disassemble Barahungry. Well, okay. First, he puts his ear to Barahungry's stomach. He says, "Ah, oh, that's right. This material is metal." And then he looks at Barahungry. He's like, "That must mean that you are a robot," as though he was somehow unable to previously ascertain this. Um, so he starts trying to disassemble Barahungry, and nothing he has works. Like. His drill bit. He tries like a giant wrench and a drill bit and a couple of other things. And and they all just kind of blunt. Yeah, they all just kind of blunt on Bar Hungry. The dad says like, hold, like as he's two or three tools into this. The dad says, "I'm sorry, who? Just who are you?" Mister Hanna turns around and he has what appears to be a homemade patch on the back of his jacket. Yeah, he, he takes his just he takes says, his backpack off and just like points oh, onto right. the back of his jacket without turning around. And it just says, like, Professor Henna, robot researcher. Which. Have, have we described I just this love the idea of, all? like, an independent robot researcher. <laughs> I mean, okay. Now, this seems insane, right? But on the other hand, we are now officially past the halfway point of O-Ranger. Every week, a robot has shown up in Japan and caused major troubles. Like, this dude is kind of, I mean, listen, he's a weirdo, but he's kind of a responsible weirdo. Like, he is the dude who is getting out there, like, okay, I'm going to go find one of these robots and try to disassemble it. I'm just going to see what's up. So it does, he, he's not actually very effective. Like, this this does not work out for him. No, I, I do not um, think this man is a scientist. I think that this is a man with a toolbox and a lab coat. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, actually, speaking of the toolbox, uh, he does. He when he pulls out the drill, he's got a, he's got a very nice drill. I think it's a Makita, which is a very oh, it's nice. a high quality brand. He has a terrible drill uh, bit though, because it just like bends into like a weird like Twizzler shape when he tries to drill it into Barra Hungry. Yeah. So while he's doing that, we pop outside again, and the Rangers are just running around, henchined. Just I, I guess they've called them because they're on their way to see whatever this is. Uh, be- before they are able to run in, uh, the the robot researcher Kataro Hanna, uh, Professor Hanna hits the stomach of Barra Hungry with a hammer, and when this happens, Barra Hungry like kind of throws up on him, and he covers them with this weird rainbow colored like 
fuzz, which everyone says, and I'm glad they say it, because otherwise there would be no way to know this. Everyone says that it is mold. Yeah. Um, it does, I mean, I don't know. It's sort of like weird colored and, and fluffy. So, yeah, it's it's vaguely mold it's vaguely mold looking. I mean, if they, if they so, say that it's mold enough times, you can sort of get it into your head that that's what it's yeah, supposed to right, be. Yeah, right, right, right. And by the way, so, D- David not misspoken. We are how many episode, or minutes into this episode? This is the first time we have seen the O-Rangers. Yeah. So they, the chief, they radio back to the chief. The chief is very confused. He's not, he's not sure what's going on. Um, they rush up. They discover that, uh, Mr. Hen is covered in mold. They do a, they plot a vacuum and they engage a technique called Big Bang cleaning. So I don't know if they have supercharged the vacuum with Choriki energy. I think maybe they're just messing around. I Yeah, maybe. Um, so they're like, okay, well, here's what we'll do. We'll, we've saved this family. We've saved this weird scientist. We're just gonna, the monster's just passed out. So we're just gonna detonate him? Yeah. That seems good, right? And the chief says, yeah, yep, yeah, let's just do that. So the next scene that we see is them out in the quarry, and by detonate, they mean strap giant cartoon bombs to. Yes. (laughs) So they have made, like, giant, like, just big black spheres with, like, a wick coming out of the top of it, but the size of, like, the time and a half the size of a basketball, and then also some TNT, like, wooden kegs of TNT. And you know they're wooden kegs of TNT, because I'm pretty sure it says TNT on the side. Oh, yeah. These are the sorts of explosives you would see in, like, a Nintendo game. Yeah. Uh, so, they are about to, like, they're about to blow him up. Um, Asha and Kocha are there, observing, I, I guess. Uh, they're distraught about the possibility of this happening. So, they activate the alarm clock circuit. Which is useful. The, yeah, that has been built into Bara Hungry and uh and and wake him up. And so yeah, he just like pops I, up and throws the chains off of himself and runs away talking about how his tummy, once again, is grumbling. Yeah, so we they're like then they hole up in a warehouse and Bara Hungry says, Hey he's talking to Acha and Kocha, that is. And he says, you know, guys, I, I actually really like the human world. There's there's good food. It's a lot of fun. The families are very nice. They have these great festivals. Like, let's, come on. Like, this is this is great. Yeah, uh, Acha and Kocha are like, I, I feel like this has got it. Like, Acha and Kocha have to be getting frustrated. Because this is the second week in a row that they've had to find the robot monster and be like, hey, dude, uh, remember how we hate Earth? <laughs> yeah, like, could you... Yeah, you, you have to. Like, you you got to destroy Earth, bruh. That's, that's, that's like our thing. That's the whole jam. And uh, he says, listen, what you need to do, this is your mission. He says, you got to eat all the food. And as you eat the food, you need to spread all these mold spores. So basically, you eat as much food as you can and then mold up the rest. And then the humans will starve to death and then we'll take over Earth. And Bar Hunger is like, all right, yes, cool. Like, I am, I am I'm back on mission. Okay, like, great. My, my theory as to why he is hungry is because, like, his body is a mold generator that is powered, like, you put food in and mold comes out. So he is eating... Yeah, I think that actually is meant to be, though. He is, that makes sense. He's eating a lot of the food, and all of the, the food that he cannot consume, he is ruining with the mold. 
Yeah, so we go back and we see the Rangers. They're in headquarters. They are sort of like observing on all of their monitors that all the food is being covered in mold. Like, this is very bad. Jory walks in and she says, even my cake is covered in mold. And then there's like a weird moment where Momo says, aren't you supposed to be on a diet? Which, first, like, Jory has just not need to be on a diet. Yeah, I was going to say, we're like two or three episodes past the swimsuit uh, episode. And again, not to be a creep, uh, she's looking good. Yeah, she's totally fine. And then Jerry says, it's okay to have some cake or a piece of cake or two if you want it. Which, yeah, Jerry, it is. Yeah, it's fine. She works have, out a lot. Have, some, have cake. some cake. Yeah. Uh, Momo gets weird about it, but it's fine. Uh, so anyways, but all the food is moldy, right? All the, we see Yuji, he opens up a fridge, all the food is moldy, everybody's starving. Yeah. Uh, okay. So they, they, they head back to the home uh, that was a, the, the first half of this episode. And they're talking to the son, like, hey, listen. Um, I miss food. Food's very good. I want to eat food all the time, but I can't because it's all moldy. We right. need to find this terrible monster and stop him. Do you remember anything useful that we could use to try to fight this dude? And the kid says, no, I don't. And then Yuji says, are you sure? Because I'm very, very hungry. And he just starts listing off food. And they write in, he gets through like 20 menu items. <laughs> and there's like, it's not a conversation. It's literally just Yuji sitting there like, like ramen, fried chicken, hamburgers, French fries, okay, here, here is my, ice cream. Here's my theory about this is that this is the last scene that they wrote for the episode. And they were like, okay, how, how much time do we have already filmed? We need an extra like 40 seconds. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, hey, could you just vamp with some food items? Right. Uh, and well, if that is the end, so the actor who plays Yuji is not good at vamping because he's it's not. He just literally lists off food items. Uh, and, anyways, and just so that we do not get tweets later, I think it was actually Shohei. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you're no, you are totally correct. Um, so the kid says, "Okay, fine. I I actually I do remember one thing." is that the TV got turned on and he was really into this festival. Like, he really liked dancing. And that's all I've got. Yeah. And the Rangers say, awesome. We we can work with that. Yeah, that's, they don't say it's this. better than nothing. Right. So we, we, cut, so we Matt, cut back. can you... Yeah, please just describe this scene that we see now. Okay, so Barrow Hungry's running around and he's still molding people up. Like, he runs across some people who are having a picnic and they were like, please, just let us eat this sushi. Like, it's all we have left. Like, do not mold our food. Uh, Barrow Hungry does not comply. He molds their sushi. Or whatever it he is definitely that they're does, eating. Yeah. And then he turns and he is confronted by Professor Kotaro Henna, who walks up to him and like, drops down on his knees and starts to grovel. Like, please, please, I'm begging you, let me dissect you. And he, like, has yeah. all of these tools in his hand. Like, it's my only mission in life. Please just let me cut you to pieces for science. Uh <laughs> and I swear this is still not the weirdest thing he does this episode. Yeah, so Barra Hungry does not comply, obviously. So then we hear... We hear festival music, and Barra Hungry hears the festival music. He perks up, and he looks over, and the Rangers have made their own, like, 
festival-like shrine, but it's Orobo. So they have created a miniature Orobo, mm-hmm. and they are having their own parade, which is just them and the chief wearing very short shorts. Yes. And they are just like, they're just like marching around doing doing this parade. I don't know what they're, they're totally what the plan is yet. Okay, whatever the plan is, it seems to work because what happens next is that we see Vera Hungry, who has now himself been turned into his own like festival shrine on his own palanquin that is being yes. carried by uh, Vera soldiers, and they are doing a dance, and then they both both of the festivals sort of like run at each other on the bridge, yeah, and they have like a sort of a push a push fight and i i swear to you the only thing i could think of while i was watching this happen is that i swear this kind of stuff used to happen in like episodes of wild and crazy kids that is that is the vibe i'm getting off of this like two teams with a big thing trying to shove each other off a bridge into the water no listen i have no idea like i whatever festival this is i clear like i have no idea what it is but i do really hope that it that like whatever real festival that they are referencing does involve like rival gangs just trying to have like a big push fight and like whoever gets pushed off the bridge like the winner has good luck for the de- like doesn't that seem like the sort of thing that you would see at a festival yeah you know what I mean uh, and I just I love I don't know if it's true if it is true somebody please let me know uh, if it's not I guess I would also like to know just for the sake of truth but in my heart that's a thing that happens um. So then they henshin and then there's a fight. It's a good fight scene. Um, and there's a lull in the fight. And then the chief says, okay, it's time to enact the festival plan. Mm-hmm. And the festival plan is that there's a smash cut to the same space that they were just in, but now is fully decked out with like, flags and cloth walls and they've got like a giant drum uh there's a name for it a taiko drum i want to say and um they are just having a a festival it's no longer a parade it's now a stationary festival Mm -hmm. uh let's see goro and yuji are both banging on the drum and momo and and jury are both playing flutes and shohei has got like this little like jingly instrument and he's like dancing around in this like funny little dance yeah so i feel like shohei's really getting into this what we see then is that something a little bit weird is that bara hungry looks like he doesn't want to dance but is somehow compelled like he tries to not dance and then he gives up and gives in and he's just he's just dancing right it is as though the dancing bit is not like a character quirk but it is like you know how like okay all monsters have, like, a gimmick, right? Like, that's how Super Sentai works. In this part of the episode, it is as though Bara Hungry's gimmick is dancing and not food consumption and rainbow mold. It's very strange. Yeah. So, so then the chief rolls up, and uh, he's got some sake. And at first, so the what they're drinking sake out of is like a wooden box, like a square wooden box, which also the dad served it in. And at first I thought he was just like grabbing whatever was handy. Apparently that's what you 
you drink sake out of out of a wooden pot. Yeah, I, I looked it up, um, and this is like sort of an old school traditional style of thing that you would serve sake out of. Oh, cool, cool, cool. It's a nice looking box. There's some cool dovetail work on it. Uh, anyways, so the chief like pours him some sake, and Barhang's like, I love summer festivals. And then the chief just gets, he does the same thing. He just gets Bar Hungry loaded. Like, he, he eventually gets a much larger box. He's like, you got to drink it all at once. Or, like, you're a wimp or something. <laughs> um, yeah, this goes from, so, like... Okay, now this guy is a, a, a robot monster from space who wants to destroy all the food in the world. But they are fighting him by getting a child drunk. Which is not maybe the of, best, uh, the coolest plan, guys. Yeah, well, you know, maybe it's, it might be, he might be a child. We're not, we're not really I don't sure. know. Anyway. I, I'm not uncomfortable with them blowing him up in a few minutes, but for some reason this felt weird. <laughs> um, so anyways, so they get him, uh, they get him real, real drunk. And then, then we get the Rangers new attack. It's the, o- Which the is Ole Bazooka. The Ole Bazooka. Now, this is a little bit funky because this is a sort of human-sized... I mean, it's very large. They're all five carrying it together. But this is not a giant robot weapon. This is just something that they're carrying, which is a little bit unusual for us to see, actually, this this late into a series. Yeah, it is way, Normally, way too late to be introducing... This, this should have been, like, episode 12 that introduced this. And I actually have a probably wrong theory about this hit me okay you remember how the show went for like eight ten episodes and it was very like Jetman-esque right like very raw and mm-hmm. then there was that hard shift where it turned into a more sort of goofy show um i feel as though normally what happens is you get you know 10 12 episodes while you're sort of setting up the characters and setting up the stakes and like getting people into the vibe and then you start introducing stuff right yes like secondary things but with this show they got everything all set up in those first episodes and then they kind of had to start from scratch to like reset the vibe mm-hmm. and so all of this stuff is getting introduced like way too late in the season so that's why this episode we're getting the Ole Bazooka, and next episode we get a big thing that comes into the show. Yeah, you know, I think that actually, I, I don't know that it's true, but it does make sense. Um, so here's, okay, I just wanted to talk about one thing about the Ole Bazooka. First of all, it's a very large bazooka, and it looks it looks very cool. Yeah, It's so not as cool as the Die Rangers to, bazooka. Yeah, so in order to fire this thing, though, they jam in... Uh, hyper storage crystals, right? So they each got one and they go like, hyper storage crystal, lock, hyper storage crystal, lock. And they all do this, right? Yes. These hyper storage crystals are the size of like a monster energy, okay? They're very large. I was going to say they are the size of a... um. You know what actually they are? Is the size of a can of Foster's. I was just going to say a can of Foster's or a Heineken Heineken can. Yeah, that's a very good... That's, that works. And this is what they used to power the Ole Bazooka. Sure, fine. Here's the thing. They also use, like, Choriki energy storage crystals to power their giant, giant robots? Yeah, and the ones they use for that are, like, maybe one-fifth the size of these. Yeah, they're, like, the size of your thumb. They're they're not. They're not big. So how much energy is this bazooka putting out? 
I mean, probably a lot, right? Uh, so anyways, they, yeah, they just, they blast Barra Hungry. Uh, that's it for him. Um, he does, he does, he then, like, Anjo and Kocha revive him. He goes giant. Uh, he does a mold attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does a mold attack on O-Robo, which is actually super effective. Uh, and then he starts trying to eat O-Robo, which is less effective. Yeah, he's just sort of, like, nibbling on him, and it's not going yeah. super great for him. Uh, then, uh, But you know what's very effective? Uh, Red Puncher? Well, uh, before yeah, Red Puncher, Red Puncher is always effective. But what's effective before him is that the chief just starts drumming again. Like the chief is down on the ground and he just starts <laughs> drumming. And Barra Hungry hears this tiny, tiny man uh, drumming. And he's like, I just, I gotta dance. Gotta dance. Man, I forgot about that. Um, uh, so anyways. Yeah, so he's, and, and by the way, the chief starts drumming here. He does not stop drumming until this fight is over. So the rest oh, yeah, of the fight, you just get very... like this sort of pounding drum in the back, and it's very cool. Yeah, it's actually, it was a really, I noticed while I was watching it, the lack of music and the fact that it was like just this drum going in the background made it, like, it's men in giant rubber robot suits, but it made it a lot more dramatic, which is cool. Yeah, if it wasn't this so total summon... goof troop monster, it would be a lot more, like, like yeah. intense. <laughs> So they summon Red Puncher, and then we we get just like a really quick shot of Red Puncher, who, uh, which we haven't seen before, which is before he gets launched out of his cannon, you see a shot of him like in the cannon, and he just picks his head up and looks forward and then gets launched, and it's really quick, but it makes Red Puncher look five times more intense, like... That he's ready. He's, he looks up. He's like, all right, launch me. And then he goes and he spirals out and he lands and he and he just punches Barra, Barra Hungry very, very yeah, hard. Red punchers are very good, you guys. Yeah. So. Uh, and they, I mean, that, that's kind of it then. Like they, they form well, the, okay. the Buster O-Ranger Robo. Yeah. They kill Barra Hungry, who then turns into a cartoon ghost. Like a cartoon ghost that is also like a cartoon angel with wings and it flies yeah, away like, to heaven? Like from like a stylistic sort of like a, like a Betty Boop era cartoon angel ghost. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay. So that's that's the end of the fight. Yeah. We, we, cut, uh, we, we cut to later. And they're having a... A festival, which is cool and fun. Yeah, now that I mean, they already made the thing, and they've got the drum out. They're gonna enjoy the afternoon. Uh huh. And then uh, we see Mister Henna. Uh huh. And he has found Ancha and Kocha, who are like right there. They're literally like thirty feet away. Oh, Rangers! So, please, could you have some situational awareness? I don't know. Maybe they're very good at hiding because. Really, Acha well, and Kocha are, Hanna finds like, them? they're always 30 feet away. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good point. So Mr. Hanna finds them, and he reaches back into his backpack, and he pulls out what appear to be shuttlecocks, which he sticks on his head. Oh, he has a shaved head. He's got, like, shaved head and weird glasses yeah. and, like, a pencil mustache. Yeah, that, that doesn't make shuttlecocks stick to your head, dude. I, I think they're, like, little suction cuppy things. Okay, Sure. And he just sticks those to his head. Does that explain what they are? No. Just jams them on his head and starts, like, power striding after Aja and Kocha, asking 
to dissect them, please. He does have a chainsaw that he's brandishing. I want to be very oh, yeah. clear about this. And Asha and Coach just run away. And then the end of the episode is that we're watching the O-Rangers have their festival. And in the background, you see Acha and Coach fleeing away from this power-lunging maniac with a chainsaw. Ah, <sighs> uh, I just... Man. Do you think that we will see this man again? I, I, I don't I know which would so. be weirder. Right? Like, it would be bizarre to have this guy be a recurring character. But it would be even more weird to just throw him into one episode, right? Yeah, I... Man, I just don't even... Uh, okay. Anyway, um, I, I mean, that's it for, listen, guys, that's you, it for the episode. I mean, you should watch this episode. You should definitely watch this episode. Uh, I just... I loved it. I'm just not sure what to... Like, I don't know how to digest it. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, let me, like, let I'm me... trying to bite off parts of this thing, and I'm just... I can't get purchase on it. Be- before we move on to our closing segment, where we see how uh, Barra Hungry fares in the Creature Royale, let me give you a little piece of information to maybe help you digest this. Oh, yeah, please. So, as I mentioned earlier, next episode, there is going to be a major new thing, right? Um... Mm-hmm. And I I mean, can I just say it now? It's not like a huge surprise. The, the name of the ex- next episode is like the 600 million year old warrior child. Ooh. Oh, okay. So ranger number six. Yeah. Right. So the, the sixth ranger is introduced in the next episode. Um, and so this episode and the last one are very weird sort of comedy hijinks, epi- like monster of the week episodes. And I feel like they were kind of getting this stuff out of their system so that they could take a hard shift into like a different tone for the next couple of episodes when they're going to be like introducing a new character and building out the lore of the show a little bit more. Nice. So that is, that is my theory. I I mean, I I've actually watched the next couple of episodes um, and I'm very much looking forward to talking about them. Uh, they are, uh, yeah. uh, they're very good, but that's, that's not what we're doing this week, Dave. We're doing that next week. The last thing we have to do this week, as aforementioned, is to see how Barrow Hungry fares in the Creature Royale. What are you thinking? Okay, so, I'm trying to think of another spot where we, we just see a monster that is kind of fun, but is also just part of, like, a super weird, crazy episode. Yeah. I feel like there's got to be a couple like that. A couple of those from um, Kaku Ranger. I feel like this dude feels more like a Kaku Ranger monster. Yeah, he he definitely, definitely does. So... Okay, a, a monster that is, like, kind of wacky and part... And, like, not super effective in fighting the Rangers, but definitely, like... The catalyst for some interesting stuff has a very cool hook, a good look, and just like a fun bonkers episode was Obra Gumara, the uh, the taxi monster from Kaki Ranger. Yeah, okay, no, I think that's a really good. I think that's a really good place to start. So right around there is actually a couple of the Kaki Ranger monsters. Uh, there's Kukagon, the disease monster, and then Shiraniri, the rag monster, mm-hmm. like the super petty rag monster. And then underneath that, there's a uh, fortune telling dimension, Lieutenant Shiryu, Dara Dara. Which is that giant uh, mountain mountain monster from Kaka oh, Ranger? Oh yeah, Dara Dara was very good. Yeah, Dara Dara is super cool. So I actually, 
I think I like Obero Goomer as a starting place. I actually I want to dip down a little bit. Yeah, I mean Obero um, Goomer uh, goes is gonna go above Barra Hungry if for no other reason than like his monster design, like as being like built on top of a go kart was very good. Yeah, well, you know, and I'm looking at the couple of monsters below him, and Dara Dara is like. I love the idea of it because he also had a really cool monster design and he's like a giant mountain and they're like walking around on him, I'm, which is pretty crazy. I'm honestly a little surprised that Daradar is that low on the list. I remember we really liked him. You know, like a lot of the stuff above Daradar is also very, very good. Um, Like there's a lot of good monsters in this show, man. So I'm actually looking for, for Barra Hungry. I, I don't think I would go above Dara Dara, but then like right below oh, him is Dave. still the is sorry Dara Pachinko Master. Dara Dara is not the uh, mountain. Dara Dara is like the weird, like ooze clone that they made out of Ninja Man. Oh yeah 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 okay no that makes sense. Well then I actually I like Bara Hungry better than Dara Dara. Okay, uh, do you like him more or less than Lieutenant Shiryu? Ooh, I am going to say less than Lieutenant Shiryu. Lieutenant Shiryu, like, it's a little bit hard because he's from uh, Die Ranger just so long ago. And he's from, like, a very... They're cool in different ways, right? Like, Barra Hungry is, like, a cool, fun, funny monster in, like, sort of a cutesy, wacko episode. Lieutenant Shiryu is, like, sort of, like, genuinely a heartbreaking character who, yeah. like, only wants to, like, serve his, like, trusted friend and master and gets sucked into, like accidentally fighting the rangers and like gets killed but like it's all based on kind of like this misunderstanding um so they're they're not really equivalent in any way which makes this list both uh very good and kind of hard to like grapple with sometimes yeah but um i'm gonna say i don't like him actually quite as much as i like lieutenant shirios i i would put him just underneath that okay so just Uh, below lieutenant shirio just above dara dara uh, he is our new number, what's that, 60? Yeah. Right on. Then that, Dave, finally, is going to do it for another episode of For Your Eyes, O Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you that you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things that we're talking about on Twitter, we are at supersentaibros. If you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Uh, Please rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get the show. Uh, Positive reviews are one of the things that help people find us. Uh, I just saw that we got a couple of new five-star reviews, but I don't know who they were from. Oh, nice. Thanks, guys. uh, Because they did not... There were ratings, but they did not leave reviews, so I don't know who they were to thank them. But if that was you, and even if it wasn't you this time, if you have ever left a review, we thank you very much. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, The Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. To find any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can do so at retrogradeorbitradio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth.